Hello and welcome to We Bought a Mic, a pop culture remote cast coming to you this time from Zoom, brought to you by the best service in video conferencing in the post-corona world. Mm. Fuck you, Skype, enemy of the podcast. We lost a whole episode last week full of joyous talk that will never be heard from again. I think Skype, their problem is they never expanded beyond like horny teenagers. Right. You know? Keep it to Omegle. Some people say that we lost the best episode of We Bought a Mic podcast that we ever recorded. Like we were <laughs> vibing on a plane of existence that we didn't know we could ever reach. And now it's, just, it's gone I, forever. I told a joke. I can't remember what it was, but I remember everyone said, Drew, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard. Uh, please write that down. Please tell everyone. And now I can't remember. It's all gone. It's all gone. But that was yeah. just for us. You know, that we just had that one for us. Sometimes we... It's like one for them, one for me. You know, it's like you just don't record the podcast. And it's just, yeah. it's just guys being guys, hanging out. We do half of our podcasts, we do intentionally erase. Mm-hmm. Like we're, they're not getting half of what we're doing. Yeah. It's, <sighs> it's, a, it's a practice run for our Patreon, uh, okay. which, which will be live uh, through the Corona uh, virus dashboard of essential businesses that you should support in this trying time. Yeah, we are on trying to get a partnership with cdc.gov. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's it, not working. They keep saying we're busy. Please stop calling us. We're getting a lot of more important calls. Uh, I'm not really listening to that. My name, of course, is Skimble Shanks, the Railway Cat, um, here remote with my actual cat, Lucy. And I am legend. <laughs> I am... Uh, been deep cleaning my entire house for the last two days, Hunter Mobley, because that's all that's left in my life. It's that or busting out the Xbox 360 and trying to go ham in NCAA 08. Uh, <laughs> kind of, that's where I'm at now as a person. I do still have NCAA basketball with Kevin Durant on the cover. Might mm-hmm. bust that boy out pretty soon. It's not. It's not Kevin Durant. It's like player number forty-two or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Call, call them by their names. That's very illegal. <laughs> Is there going to be a widespread COVID-19 outbreak in the NBA because of that one guy who touched A good amount of people have already had it. The thing is, these are, they're all millionaires and they're all among the healthiest people on earth. Right. So a lot of the people that contracted it already don't have it anymore. Well, it's, it's less so the people that players themselves, because like you said, they are getting, they are recovering. But for example, uh, Carl Anthony Towns, a very good basketball player and all NBA kind of guy. Uh, his grandmother got COVID nineteen. Oh and no! She's like on a ventilator. Like it's really bad right now for her. Yeah, that's that's I mean, rough. It's rough. And shouts out to Cat. I hope that your family is doing better. To everybody who is affected by this virus. Uh, See, that's the thing I I keep thinking about. Is like we live in Florida, and Florida is full of really dumb people, and I feel like most people are not taking this situation seriously enough because they haven't really been exposed to the severity of it on a firsthand account. It's like, it's just something out there, you know, schools are closed, people are being told to stay home. And then they're like, ah, that's kind of it. That's as far as I'm willing to go in my mind. And if, if there's not someone that you know that is sick then it's not going to click 
for a lot of people. And I hate that it has to get to that point. I know a lot of places are really suffering right now. Shout out to New York City. That is, it's not looking pretty up there. So if you're there, we're, we're with you in spirit and, and we hope you're doing well. But here in Florida, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people are just like, that's yeah, fine. That's yeah, whatever. Well, on the bright side of all of this madness and chaos and doom that the world is going under, the music industry is trying to beat us. Like, we are getting fed good, guys, by the music industry. Because if everything going. is canceled, that's one thing you can do. Everybody is pulling their own Kevin Parker from Tame Impala and just recording music in their house by themselves. And or releasing music that they already had because they know if you release an album right now, you will dominate the media cycle because it's not like people are talking, people in newspapers and everything that still have to work, they aren't talking about new movies because new movies aren't coming out right now. So yeah. it's bringing in these whole new level. And that leads us to the biggest, <laughs> biggest new music that we had, which yes. was a movie star. Finally. The probably the number one actor in the history of the world, I would say, released an album, mm-hmm. and that's our boy Jeremy Renner. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Renner released an EP. Yep. This is medicine. What is it called? The medicine. The medicine. <laughs> Guys, we have a cure for COVID nineteen. It's Jeremy Renner. The, so he was already. Uh, he was already doing too much. <laughs> and then he puts out an album called The Medicine during a fucking viral outbreak. I love this guy. He's a triple threat. He can uh, act, he can sing, and he can put a gun in his own mouth in front of his ex-wife. You know? What so, literally so not isn't doing. there like child support involved now? He's like trying to tell a judge that he shouldn't p- pay child support because of the virus, because the house flipping business is in standstill, right? <laughs> he can't flip any houses in this horrible times. You know, some might say that Jeremy, Thurner, it, Jeremy Renner is a, uh, a zero threat in that he, uh, he can't really sing in his act. So-so. Some people would call him a threat to himself and others. <laughs> He's a fucking, I mean, everything about him, it sucks. I really, truly hate him. I, uh, I feel vindicated every time anything comes out about him because he seems like a shithead. Uh, and this further confirms that this is an album full of his horrible, shitty-ass, soft, uh, fake, hard rock music. The only song that I listened to off of it sounded like uh, Christian contemporary rock. That's, that's like the vibe of it. It's, it's a... Uh, a pretty expected pivot, I would say, from the guy who partnered with Amazon for a Jeep slash outdoor goods online store. Where he sold jerky. Yeah. So that that's kind of like the nest the 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 expected trajectory for something like this, you know? You go second tier mission impossible supporting actor, <laughs> Hawkeye, Jeep commercial. I I just have to say. We are, I mean, Jeremy Renner is not uh, good, but we have to at least give a mention to the town because he is incredible. He is Oscar-worthy in the town, a movie that I will stand is better than The Departed. I don't care. 
people come out of the woodwork at me. I'm willing to take the heat. What, what, what is the comparison point? Boston, they're Boston you- crime movies. Oh. The town and 21st century Boston crime movies. And I think that. Oh, oh, that is the town. Yeah. What did oh. you think? I just thought it was a town. I didn't know it was the town. It says the town. It's fucking Bean Town, bro. Let me talk to you a little bit about Bean Town. I'm here. I'm repping my New England Pats short right now. Look over here. We got on the wall. We got, got a little foam helmet in here. It's the suck. only thing hanging on these walls. I don't um, want to come to your so- house, Hunter. Let's go track by track on the medicine. My personal favorite is Ghost and Roses. Well, hold on, hold on. We got to say, he did announce this via Twitter. Let me read the tweet real quick. Common ground can be hard to find in today's world, but music has remained a constant for me. To feel deeply, to dance fervently, and live together is more present now than ever. Wow. He, he also went on to say that he wanted to uh, unite people in a pure way. I, is, I is that what he's doing? <laughs> this is a deranged man. Uh, you know what I sh- I'm going to do? Is, oh, no. Guys, I just realized I got a new phone a while back, so it doesn't have the Renner app on it. Oh, oh you no. lost the app. Lost it. In my old phone, the screen's broke. I could I could pay like three hundred dollars to just to get the Renner app back on and use the old, the other phone just for that app. Yes, I think I'll do, do that. that. Do okay. that for sure. So yeah. I haven't listened. You know those to this. Are, are loving it. I haven't listened to this uh, little EP here. Uh, it's seven songs, pretty modest. Uh, you know, he didn't have to do seven. He could have just done like one, but uh, one of them went is ahead. Semi, uh, that he has one of them is the song he put out like a while ago oh yeah main attraction Ugh, like sure i don't fucking know i i i, I don't i hate this drew, man drew you know main attraction that is the stomp clap song yeah it's like that oh, 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 oh come to uh, that's just a guess yeah, that, <laughs> yeah that, that's, you nailed that's it. exactly the song though i know <laughs> i'm listening to the track right now title track the medicine um your your skin is going pale he's going a little falsetto we've uh, sometimes we do uh commentary tracks and everything else i think we should do a commentary track of the jeremy renner album we should do a (laughs) just go through the whole album and he's trying to sound a little bit like adam levine oh that's a choice um don't know how we feel about that. Uh, we need to I, talk about something else. <laughs> I will say I, I am now cured from COVID-19, so I am immune. So I will recommend people uh, check out The Medicine by Jeremy Renner. Um, it will uh, give you the cure that you need from this horrible pandemic. So thank you, Jeremy. The, uh, we the thank medicine you for your start, This is the equivalent of like bloodletting. This is like old medicine. It's not effective. This is a snake oil salesman. Millions of people across the world are like, finally, the medicine is here. You know? Well, what else? King Cruel put out an album. Uh, have you guys checked it out yet? Yes. I, uh, I didn't listen to it. I'm a giant fan of King Cruel. Haven't, I've been fully, uh, fully alone with my little kitty. Haven't been in the mood for some Cruel. It is a very 
sort of dark and moody album. It's called Man Alive. Um, I haven't given it like the full deep dive, but from what I have listened to it, it is very sort of angular and just kind of like weird and out there. I guess more, more a lot like the, the ooze uh, from well, what I can uh, tell. So I actually found it to be a lot more accessible than something like okay. the, ooze, the ooze, which is like super, super atmospheric. And first time I listened to the ooze, I did not like it because I just like listened to it like, Oh. While I was like driving in my car or whatever, and like not a good soundscape, but then I put headphones on, listen to it, and whenever you can really take in all the sound, I appreciate it a lot more. Yeah, I thought this album actually, Man Alive, it did come out uh, about a month ago. It came out February twenty first, uh, so we're kind of late on it. But um, it's a little bit more hip hop influenced. Like it's like as far as hip hop goes, it's closer to Death Grips than it is to like what you then like schoolboy q but as far as like a rock that has like kind of a a thumping beat throughout it that kind of makes you sway your head a little bit i really love the song stoned again where like he uh i king cruel himself uh i don't know the band i don't know the singer's name but he like marshall screams a bit in it and i uh i really i'm just gonna keep calling him king cruel i'm gonna pretend like it's just one dude his That's name is I will say his um his first album, his first like full album that uh was actually released, it's it's called Six Feet Beneath the Moon. Uh it's extremely good and it has a it has a lot more hip hop influence than the ooze does. The ooze is sort of like its own deal. Like it, you know, it's like proggy, jazzy, like dark, uh grungy rock sometimes. But yeah, that initial album, it has more of like a uh almost like a, you know, chill hop piece to study and relax to feel at times. Obviously it's King Cruel, so it goes all over the place. Like the dude can kind of do anything. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a killer. Like I'll follow him anywhere he goes. Yeah, I do. Um, I do really like a lot of songs on the album. I haven't dove super into it because as we're going to get into on this episode, a lot of artists have been releasing tr- albums uh, in this past two weeks to month or so just with all the crisis and everything so i haven't gone super hard on it but it is definitely an album that flag to keep coming back to because there is enough there that's gonna makes it very listenable it does i mean king cruel is great at actually forming albums and making it be one cohesive sound where one song leads into the other which is one thing that i've liked about his two previous albums that i've listened to for sure another Another release that's uh, pretty cohesive and and sort of uh, on the concept album side is the new Riz Ahmed album, The Long Goodbye. Um, You know, I got to admit, I don't fully agree with the take that a lot of these albums have been given the the platform that they deserve in this self-isolation quarantine era. especially a couple albums that we're going to get to in a little bit. But I feel like this Riz Ahmed album in a different world that wasn't being taken over by this pandemic would be a huge deal because it's all about his uh, status as like an Indian American of sorts um, and, or not American Englishman. Uh, and dealing with uh, with Brexit and the feeling of of feeling alienated by your 
your uh, your country and being looked at in a in a in a completely different and, and sort of hostile light. Um, and it's really touching and it's really dark and it just it presents that whole idea as a uh, sort of a breakup, like he's breaking up with Britain. I really like it. It's is, a really well it, done album. Music good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, he's an actor. So it's like, it's not like he is a full blown musical talent. Um, but he definitely has something to say as an artist. He definitely has like a voice and, and, a, and a message. And it's, that's really the point of the, of the record is to, to dive into like, the story that he wants to tell and the feelings he wants to get across the music itself is it's pretty good. I would say that there's a, there's a couple tracks on it. What that kind of are, music is it? Uh, it's, it's hip hoppy. It's very hip hoppy. There's some like rock influence. It's with like international, some international influences in it too. Like very like, there's like yeah. shit in it. And he's so- mostly rapping through most of it. Although there are other kind of rock elements through it. Uh, it's mostly a hip hop sound to it. I I don't dislike this album, but I did not love it. Um, I've only listened to it once, and it's not that he's bad because I do think that he actually does have some decent flows and stuff. But I think that the blending of his voice, uh, which is very like almost Cockney in a <laughs> like that voice with like the. Uh, very like native Indian tones with the hip hop beats. It came off as a bit horny, a bit corny to me. Not horny, corny. Whoa. And I don't want to like. I don't mean that in necessarily a pure insulting way, which I know is gonna, it's going to come across as. Insulting. You just mean it in an outwardly racist way. <laughs> I mean it in a way where it just like it didn't gel in my mind. Whatever, like I really like um, the first track on that album, how it how it opens up the breakup and the last song Karma. I really like those two tracks, but there's just some moments in between where it just feels I feel a little bit of a disconnect between yeah, it, the artist like, voice, what he's trying to say, and the music itself. It doesn't gel in my brain. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I agree with that. I I think it's one of those albums where the concept overshadows the actual music. And you end up with a really strong story that maybe shouldn't have been an album. I don't know. I think he did put out like some sort of short film accompaniment to it that I'll have to check out that I, I haven't I haven't seen. But I'm almost curious to see if like that works better uh, than just listening to the album. Because the album, like there's a lot of like tiny little snippets here of sound clips from like Mahershala Ali and Hassan Minaj and it's like you get the feeling that he's trying to create this like authentic portrait of like he's actually going through something but it's probably like you know put on written like some sort of sketch or something to like heighten the the mood and the tone of of what he's trying to go for but overall I think it is like a really cool concept of him doing this like breakup album, but he's not breaking up with a person. He's breaking up with a whole nation and his home country of, of Britain. I think that's so fascinating. So I recommend it just for that, even if it doesn't quite hold up, it's like a straight up hip hop album. Um, 
something that does hold up as a not hip hop album, but a banger punk pop album is the new group love album. Have you guys heard this? I, I have. You seen yeah. that? You it up? <laughs> <laughs> I uh, put it on during a car ride with someone and we talked over it. But I'll tell you one thing. There were two different times when we both stopped and we were like, wait, this sounds good. Not so, a lot of car rides nowadays in this uh yeah, this was uh, a Corona this was like era. A week ago, um, and it was it was a car ride that was ill advised. Um, like, you know, believe you me. However, uh, there were a few choruses where it got to the classic group love point because their their drummer is famously like the mastermind behind the group. He's the producer, uh, and you you could hear the build of like like excellent quality production where like by the final chorus it it's big, like it's big and it feels right. And I I think that the the fact that we're all staying at home pretty much all the time all day is disrupting our our listening habits. I know I haven't been listening to as many podcasts and music as I used to when I drove around town and went to work and things. Yeah, that's the thing about you know I, I mostly did a lot of it in the car and now I'm exactly. just home uh, just looking at the wall. Yeah, <laughs> you have to like tell yourself like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to an album today. <laughs> I I will say I haven't dove into this album as much as I want to. The leader, the first track on the album came out like a couple like a month or two ago. And I don't know if we ever talked about that single uh whenever it was released, but it is my favorite song of 2020 so far, I think. It's like, a as fucking as, like, banger. It's my favorite single of 2020, I should say, where it is just like you just put it on and I just put it on like all the time, constantly listening to it. But I mean I've compared Group Love before to Matt and Kim. Uh, I think that Group Love, uh, a lot of times their albums gel better than Matt and Kim's, but like where they're very well produced and they know how to write a hook that will just make you just move your head to it a little bit. And they've even leaned more into that production side. It's hard because I don't think that they're ever going to reach the highs that they did between their first two albums. Um, I think that their first two albums we shouted them out on our best albums of the decade list. Um, Never Trust a Happy Song and Spreading Rumors. Because I think that both of those are just masterpieces. Um, I do think, I mean, this is closer to Big Mess, uh, their 2017 release, than it is to their first two albums as far as quality goes. But there's still enough there that I'm going to keep coming back to it. And we'll see if uh, some other songs on the album grow on me. I did want to shout i have a couple of songs on here that i really love uh, i love this is everything every ending track on a group love album i just always love they know how to close out an album in the right note um the great unknown expectations are two other great songs hail to the queen is a really good one i think that group love is probably uh the type of band that most people probably don't feel inclined to like seek out their music like because they can you you know they could be pigeonholed as like you know one of the indie pop uh one hit style bands of like what 2010 um but they are a band that if you if you dive in and you listen to their albums they're if you like that sort of music they are consistently very good um like I'm not in love with everything they've done, but they've made some surprisingly like very good albums. Um, and I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan. You know, fun fact about their their drummer um, Ryan Rabin, I think, because uh, he yeah, like I said, he's first of all he's an underrated drummer, like incredible drumming. 
um, doesn't use toms a lot, but just fucking rips it on the snare for a lot of his fills. Uh, his father is the guitarist from Yes. What? Huh. Yeah. That. Uh, yeah, friend of the pod Nate told me that, and I was like, oh, explains a lot, you know? Not really, yeah. but... <laughs> that's a that's a know, big music, is, music a, is nothing like yes it's <laughs> a big shadow to live under yeah um but also you know if if your dad's in yes he's and he's not like a deadbeat who abandoned you he's probably gonna have uh instruments in your hands from like age two yeah you know and that's think, that's yeah. how you get yourself a ryan rabin <laughs> so what kind of instruments did jay electronica have in his mm. youth I mean, I'll tell you what he's had the last decade or so. It was nothing. No <laughs> the only shit I know from from Jay Electronica is uh, nothing, because I just confused him with somebody else now that I realize <laughs> it. So Jay Electronica, this is, I think this is one of the biggest music stories that is not as big as it would have been because of coronavirus. Jay Electronica is uh, a longtime member of Jay-Z's, like, close circle of musicians. He's featured on a ton of great tracks. They all sound incredible. He's produced a lot. It all sounds great. The songs that he has released and the tapes he's put out are all great. He just wouldn't put out an album. There was, like, it's been a decade plus of hype for an album from Jay Electronica. Um, And he finally fucking put it out. Like, this should be, I think, a bigger story than it is because... He put this out in uh, early last month, early February. And this album is really, really, really great. Uh, and it has Jay-Z on just about every track. And it's prime Jay-Z as well. This is like oh, the best. Wow. Yeah, it's it's like 333 level, like, like high quality Jay-Z. Like giving a fuck Jay-Z. Uh, the production is like what you would expect if you follow Jay. Like it's, it's high quality. It mixes... Uh, old school like analog techniques with the new with like psychedelia and synthesizers uh jay himself he uh you know he he's kind of made a name for himself having this like heady uh heady range of topics that he likes to dive into you know a lot of raps about like uh, like mythology and like you know history and gods and stuff like that um and then kind of balanced with uh jay-z's more earthly endeavors in the album the result is genuinely a, an awesome album. Uh, the I think another thing going against the album is that there's no album that could live up to 10 years of hype. Um, you know what I mean? Like, if, yeah. if he were to truly live up to what people wanted, it would have to be the best album ever made. And that's, you know, it's not that. Like, there, it's, not, it's not like tier one all-time hip-hop, but it's a, a really, really... Uh, great kind of accessible for how uh for how heady it is you know and i think jay-z adds a lot of that um like i think anyone could listen to this but um like fans of of more you know in-depth hip-hop stuff uh and and regular people alike can kind of bond over this album it's it's just super super solid throughout i think that there's also a point to be made about like the are we sure that that Rock Nation, that Jay Z's label, has enough pull as it actually does? Because it, it, with the democratization of music, like the even playing field almost of everybody, you'd think that maybe somebody with the pull of of Jay Z could throw enough money behind one of his closest collab collaborators and get him the uh, exposure that they deserve, but. I, yeah, I don't think this album cool. hit. And and a lot of people, a lot of artists with 
even more resources, I think, also didn't hit. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, because if he were to try to put everything behind someone, it wouldn't be Jay Electronica, because Jay is more, he has a built-in fan base of like extremely committed fans, but he's not trying to be on the radio. Uh, Rock Nation does have people that are, however. Uh, you know, a lot of them were sacrifices to the title gods. Uh, luckily, yeah. this album is uh, available on Spotify. You can you can get it wherever. I'm pretty sure. Um, they have to exist? Do people still yeah, use the title? Well, that part's up for debate, but it, that's it's a legitimate really question. I I don't know anybody who's just like still using title now at this point. It no. had its like big buzz like uh, two years ago, three years ago at this point, and now it kind of just went away. Yeah. I had no idea that he never put out an album because he's features and stuff like all the time so i just assumed that he had his yeah, own he had a great feature on a uh, coloring book like he he's yeah. been around and every time he comes around you're like oh this guy rules like this guy's so cool um but he just hasn't done it you know there it was it was almost a meme at this point the mythology of jay electronica became a meme in itself uh and you know the snake ate its own tail to the point that when the album once the album finally came out like I guess, you know, I, I think the cycle had just almost completed for a lot of people. They were like, yeah, I'd, I'd almost rather have the fun of never having one. <laughs> but <laughs> this, this is an incredibly good album. I do want to recommend it strongly. Like, this is this is uh, probably the best album I've listened to this year. I have a yeah. feeling that most, if not all, of the albums that we talked to on this podcast today are not getting the attention that they deserve, and people will return to them months from now or a year from now because every, it's I, I feel like everybody is like trying really hard to find a balance between keeping up with the insanity of the pandemic but also like trying to find an escape from it and to disconnect from it yeah and music for some reason is not fulfilling either of those things it will because well, I think a lot of people, when they're home, their escapism is the TV. It's not music. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like Tiger King it or Dead so, or whatever. I, I I understand. I think that you guys might be right about that. The more people are turning, yeah, because I mean, we're, don't worry, guys. This is a preview. We will have a full Tiger King discussion when the rest of the podcast watches Tiger King. But we're, we're gonna uh, get there. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, <laughs> I. Uh, I do think that, like, so we haven't even gotten to the two biggest ones yet, but whenever you talk about something like The Weeknd and Childish Gambino, if I go on a site like The Ringer, there's, like, three articles about the, like, about these albums and everything. And, like, maybe it, the lower tier albums aren't getting the attention that they deserve, but I feel like the higher tier albums by the bigger artists or the surprise albums in Gambino's cases are getting just a monumental amount. Well, they're getting, there's it's a, it's a dichotomy because they're getting more press, but they're getting less listens because music press does not equate to listens. Exactly. You know, not, not a ton of people get on the ringer that want to like bang some hip hop. Right. Um, and the people that are going to listen to it would have already listened to it because yeah. we follow these artists and we pretty much listen to everything that they put out. Yeah. But and, yeah, exactly. In terms of, of reaching like the masses, that's not happening in this moment. And I'm curious to see if within the next month or two or three, if there's going to be an album that like breaks through 
and becomes like something that everybody rallies around. I don't know what that is, or even I think I know that's... what that is. Well, it is We Bought a well, Mic, a pop culture podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, one band that will definitely not break through to the mainstream, but will break through to this podcast is the new Car Seat Headrest album. What a transition, Hunter. My God. Coming out, coming out May 1st. Um, there have been two singles released from this album so far. They are both fucking bangers. Uh, Cursey Headrest Band of the Podcast. You yeah. are seen by We Bought a Mic, and uh, we love you completely. I know uh, Can't Cool Me Down was released, I think, like a month ago. Yeah, it was a while ago, uh, but I didn't listen to it much until they re-released it recently with their, along with their new single, Martin. Um, <laughs> these, I mean... I, I, I don't know how to objectively try to analyze uh, car seat headrests. They mean too much to me. Will Toledo is genuinely, he's one of my top probably like four working music artists right now. Um, in terms of just I anything he puts out, I'm fairly confident I'm going to love it. And that's a rare, you know, that's a rare feeling that you get with an artist. Uh, that said, though, I do love the shit out of both of these songs. Uh, they're, they're sort of more... Um, they're a little bit deconstructionist compared to car seat headrests like you know the last couple albums where he is you know historically he's been kind of a slave to song construction um he he's cared so so much about like you know verse uh, pre-chorus chorus blah 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 um in these songs he's getting a little looser with it um and another thing i love about both of these songs is i was a little worried because we saw them when they toured with naked giants and uh, they did the thing where like all of Naked Giants came out and were a part of Car Seat Headrest for that whole tour. Even on like Jimmy Fallon, the Naked Giants were just in Car Seat Headrest. Um, and I was worried that they were gonna go for like a bigger like arena band sound. And both of these singles are very stripped down and they sound like Will Toledo just made them on his own without, with no band. And I'm, I'm a fan of that move. As uh, you I'm should. A yeah. A lot of uh, acoustic guitar, which I don't think had been too prevalent at least in the last couple albums i'm not sure in the old band camp stuff there was a good amount in the older stuff um but i i i think that uh at least um the twin fantasy remake was just so kind of electronic and effects and shit like that um this seems to be kind of bare bones a little bit, which I really enjoy. Yeah, and some, I love like a spare synth, like here and there in the middle of like an otherwise sort of like acoustic sounding song. It's a it's a great combo. He did it some on um, uh, Teens of Denial. There was a good amount of that where there would just be one synth very tastefully added at like the perfect moment. Um, yeah, it has that feel to it. This is a really great couple songs. I mean, so maybe- I... I'm confident with this album because he decided instead of rushing out another album after Teens of Denial, which was a pretty decent hit for what it was. Like, it was a very successful rock album. It, yeah, it popped for an indie album, for sure. 2017, 2016, whenever it came out. Um, and I'm more confident because instead of rushing to make a new album, he decided to remaster an old album. And don't get, I mean, Twin Fantasy is my favorite album by Carsey Headrest, so I'm glad that we got a remastered version of it. But it was like this whole time he did this tour and this re-recording knowing like I can just keep taking my time with these songs and I don't have to feel rushed to push something out there that I don't love. 
they released that single uh war is coming if you want it uh yeah wasn't super crazy about that song yeah and i didn't love that and i feel like will didn't love that either because i think they released that single before twin fantasy remastered came out and they put that out and they were just like ah we're not really feeling this let's just put out this little kind of side project to like appease fans of the band and then we'll come back and actually do something that we are happy putting out there do either of you know what's up with the um i'm trying to read into it but there's like a persona that toledo has that where he wears like a gas mask i don't don't know most i'm just glad it's not a fursona because he is still (laughs) like involved in like the furry community um which you know there are worse things to be Uh, i was gonna say look at twin fantasy's album art it's two people in like wolf costumes like silhouettes very stripped down silhouettes of them like caressing each other so you know we love you will yeah very famously day-to-day uh furry artist like yeah i'm curious how this album will sound as uh like in the continuum of the band because obviously like the early stuff is super lo-fi very very kind of stripped down and then he moved more into this kind of bigger produce type of thing and i wonder if this is just going to keep in that track or if it's going to be like a new chapter of sorts because the twin fantasy remake felt like a a culmination of that of both of those eras like combined and i'm curious if if now after twin fantasy if this is going to be like a new path to go into or if it's still going to be sort of in the same ballpark i think these two songs make me think that it will be in the same ballpark for the most part but i i'm curious to see if like if there's something else that Will can do that we haven't seen yet, yeah, well, that we haven't Thank heard Holy yet. Down is like easily the synthiest song that he's ever put out. Yeah, um, exactly. And it's very dancey. Like it's a dance song, which he's expressed a plenty of interest in making. He's made plenty of dance songs, just none like, like almost totally electronic, even if it's still stripped down and there's still actual instruments. Um, and also even in Martin, he uh, there's this really, really cool drum loop that he's using. Um, that it's it's definitely recordings of real drums that he probably re-recorded, but it is looped via computer for sure. That's not a beat that you could feasibly play. Um, and I love the sound of it. Like I'm I'm very interested in what he does because he definitely seems more interested in uh, electronic sound and also uh, just generally like like loops and like dance beats things like that. So apparently, I'm just reading in on Wikipedia right now, but apparently, like that persona is called Trait. And he has a side project called One Trait Danger that's very, very electronic influenced. Um, And apparently he's trying to like marry the sound of One Trait Danger with Car Seat Headrest. So I think this might be sort of a new chapter sonically of sorts if if that shakes out to be... uh, uh, If if this album shakes out to be like very electronic... uh, inspired or infused yeah because one trait danger the main mind behind that is actually the drummer of car seat headrest not will okay um yeah it's who is a good he's a good drummer um andrew katz so that actually is very interesting because usually the drummer is one of the last 
of the band who wants to go electronic because it's the easiest to replace. <laughs> so, so Toledo said uh, on an article or an interview that the songs on this new album will contain elements of EDM, hip hop, futurism, doo-wop, soul, and of course, rock and roll. But underneath all these things, I think these may be folk songs because they can be played and sung in many different ways. And they're about things that are important to a lot of people. Anger with society, sickness, loneliness, and love. So guys, this might be the album this that breaks be, through. This, this might be the medicine. All right, so that sounds like some, that does sound like some pretentious bullshit coming out of. I mean, Will Toledo is pretentious for sure. Don't don't let that turn you away from the band though, because of Will Toledo's persona. Well, if I heard uh, that, I wouldn't uh, expect to like these two singles, but the two yeah. singles are very good songs. So don't worry. <laughs> All right, we got two last things to talk about before we wrap up, and they're yeah. arguably the two biggest releases. Um, Maybe of 2020 so far. Uh, I, I mean, I really enjoyed the the new Mac Miller album. And of course, Tame Impala is its own stratosphere. Um, but we have a new album from The Weeknd, who is uh, a superstar in his own right, and now officially part of the Safdie Brothers cinematic universe. So of course, we were excited for this. It's called After Hours. They promoted the hell out of it. He went on on Colbert and, and SNL. And again, it didn't hit on a cultural level. Like it wasn't trending on Twitter. I haven't really seen many people talking about it. And now it's sort of disappearing. And I'm sad because it's a fucking awesome album. So I know, so you guys haven't been in the car. I'm still having to actually go to my job. Right. And sometimes I'm like in the car with my girlfriend. We have on the radio. Uh, this album is getting radio played. Okay. Don't you worry about that? Like this, this album is not going away. Well, um, and it's and it's getting it's getting tons and tons of Spotify plays anyway. The thing that's going to boost it even more is when because the weekend makes music for going out and getting fucked up. Like yeah. that's an integral part of it. So it will get more of a boost once we're all set free. Um, but this this is one of the albums that is going to be okay. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not worried about the weekend as far as that goes. I loved all of the singles that were released before this album came out. Blinding Lights would be a banger if it came out any decade of the last 50 years. Like that song just has such, it sounds like almost like a Prince song and like it's pop, poppy sensibility with the, the soaring synth and everything. Love that song really just love this album i mean they, he took a lot of i feel like this is the album that blended some of his older classic stuff with trilogy and even a little bit of um stuff from beauty beyond the madness with starboy that introduced more heavy synth 80s pop influence to everything um i really i mean i don't i think i might have had it on the list or at least it was a uh honorable mention for me back in 2018 but my dear melancholy that he, he, that he put out then because i think that that is an incredible uh selection of seven songs right there but that was kind of the setting the groundwork of like oh yeah no the weekend's sad again we're getting into that sad boy shit and guess what i am always here for the weekend being sad boy i that is when he peaks in my mind 
Yeah, and he's sort of putting on a performance, you know, like a lot of great pop stars do. He's playing it up, you know, the album cover is him covered in blood, his face covered in blood. So it's it's obviously like very theatrical. Um, and there's like a little tiny voice in my head saying that he maybe was influenced by his time with Adam Sandler and the Safties and that vibe. <laughs> no on this album because it does it does kind of have like a little bit of a chaotic feel to it without being like you know super experimental or anything like that um if anything he was inspired by the character howie and he was like i want to be more like howard yeah (laughs) yeah i mean it's i i i feel like it's not the best album for our time because of like the class divide that we're seeing in this crisis and how we, you know, he's, he's a rich guy crying about rich guy problems, but the sound of it, if you take away just the words, the sound of this is, I think the perfect sound for this moment, the, 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 the kind of um, really extreme emotion that's that comes out of these songs i think the the one i latch onto the most is uh scared to live which is almost like a ballad that just gets really just intense in the feels and it soars too but i every time i listen to that song thinking about like the uncertainty of the world right now i'm just like holy shit this is just affecting me on a really emotional level um and I don't know if the whole album carries that same sentiment. This might be one of those albums where I latch on to like certain songs a lot and the album as a whole, not as much. Um, I feel like overall I might like Starboy a little bit more than this, but man, I, I really love it. I think it's so well-made and it's one of those things where it's like retro and also like futuristic at the same time with how it sounds very cinematic too yeah he's uh, he's always had that in him and he's he's always had like all of these themes in his stuff and you know his purists will still to this day say that like he'll never be as good as he was during house of balloons or any mm-hmm. of his other or like, trilogy early shit yeah um but yeah no this i mean he's one of those guys uh i also th- i said this about i think like ariana grande where he, he, they both are definitely involved in like the production process, but more than anything, they have really good taste in collaboration. Like they work with the right people at the right times. Well, I was going to say, I mean, our boy Kevin Parker is a producer on one of the tracks on here on repeat after me interlude. Kevin Parker actually has a full production credit in that song. Yeah. They, they work. He works with really great people. I I really, really love this album. This is easily in, like, my top three albums of the year so far that I have listened to. Uh, I mean, you sh- we've shot a couple of the songs, but Escape from L.A. is another fucking banger of a song. Until I Bleed Out, the last song in the album, which is, like, it. he is able to ride the line. I feel like The weekend is probably... I mean, it, it reminds me of my favorite Drake like way back in the day whenever yeah. he was bad boy drake um not in his feelings drake but like actually sad boy drake like 2012 uh where he rides the perfect line where there is 
like this layer of depression, but the poppy sensibility and some of the lyricism just give you this glimmer of hope. Like there's like almost this light at the end of the tunnel where even if they're like not committing to changing themselves, they're recognizing the problem in their behaviors. I think that this might be like the most well-crafted lyricism that The Weeknd has ever had on any album. That I think that I just, with the lyrics and then also the tunes and like the actual catchiness of some of the choruses on here is some of the best stuff that he has ever done. You think he's, I think he might be the best artist of all time uh, that is, his main topic is how sad he is about how much pussy he is getting. Yeah. <laughs> and how much drugs he's doing and how many more drugs he wants to do. Yeah. But then I mean that like genuinely as a compliment. He's extremely good. Like he, <laughs> he, uh, he's a very fitting pop star for the times. Like he, he, he makes the right moves. He's constantly... Uh, moving and shaking he's not one of those dudes that's going to take like a long lull this is probably the longest one he's taken in between two albums um yeah four years i think three yeah I, well uh starboy came out 2016 my dear melancholy came out 2018 but again that was only a seven song i guess it's technically listed as an album but i think that he considered it like an ep whenever he put it out um, just so yeah, he is. I mean, he's a superstar. These songs have just like you know bonkers plays on Spotify, and then once they get released as singles, when like people are out and about, uh, they'll it'll just grow from there. So yeah, good on good on him. He's in. I'm just I'm just disappointed that Adam Sandler didn't have a feature on this thing. What the hell were they were they thinking? It was right there. You think he was just going to use some music, like use some audio clips from uh, Uncut Gems to throw yeah. in there on the weekend album? They should have just put in his his stand up song he did the, a couple of years ago, like like my Uber driver smells bad. <laughs> my Uber driver smells like coronavirus. Oh, now that's good. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, last last one, boys. Gambino, our boy Donnie G, put out an album called Three Fifteen Twenty. Actually, put out a live stream. Uh, that turned out to be an album. And it, it was very, like, obscure and mysterious, you know, in pure Gambino Glover fashion. Yeah. Uh, and nobody knew, like, what the hell it was, you know, what's going on. Uh, and then suddenly, boom, album drops. And it's interesting because the the name of the album is 31520, which is March 15th. It's the date that the live stream was running for. And then the titles of the songs are the timestamps of the stream. So we have here like um, almost like an untitled unmastered. This is basically a Twitch recap, like a Twitch moment of an album. I guess it's so bizarre. It's so bizarre, but the, the songs themselves are incredible. Like when you listen to them, it's like, holy shit, this might be some of the stuff, the best stuff this guy has done. Um, but the way he's putting it out is like so bizarre to me. The album cover is just blank. It's just a white nothingness. Mm. Um, and uh, there's very little kind of uh, promotional material behind this thing. You know, no tour, no music videos, no real single or anything like that. Although um, one of these, I think 4226 is uh, Feels Like Summer. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's just him like trying to be sort of the the creative uh mysterious guy he is and i'm curious to see if there's more where this came from you know if this is actually a prelude to something else uh i don't know what do you guys think i I will say i mean if this is a prelude to something else i don't really know what else i think that some of the stuff on here is the best stuff that he's ever done and i wish that i wish that (laughs) there were song titles here to make them I like whenever there's a song title, you can commit it to memory a little bit. Right, better. exactly. But then you're just like, fuck, was it 35 or 39? The one that I like <laughs> And you have to like do kind of stuff like that. The production design here. I, I said something in the group chat that like Gambino listened to We Bought a Mic and other people saying that no album will out will beat Kevin Parker as far as production goes of the year. And Gambino is like, yo, hold the fuck up. Here we go. Here. Yeah. I'm gonna make the tightest produced shit that you've ever heard in your life. That's so goddamn loud. Um, I think it really is incredible. So, I mean, algorithm and time are the only ones with actual titles on the album itself. Time featuring my girl, my queen, Ariana Grande. Nice. Not featured on the album itself. Um, and then also there's a feature from 21 Savage on, I believe, 1238. Really, really uh, great feature by Twenty One. Great feature, yeah. yeah I, I've gotten to the point. I like Twenty One Savage as a feature guy. He could be the new. Can we replace Big Sean with Twenty One Savage? Or he just <laughs> pops up and has a good feature, and you're like, hey, I'm good. I don't need an album from you. You know, I, I, I'm not a huge fan of this album. Well, like okay. I, I haven't. I, I've only given it probably two listens, um, all the way through it it didn't it struck me as like maybe the most produced album of the year but not the best produced album of the year there's just like a lot of production happening if that makes sense mm-hmm. um it didn't all equate to like the best sounds possible in my opinion it, I, I don't know there are definitely like extreme high points there are great songs there are other songs that i found uh pretty forgettable if i'm honest um, I, I don't know. It just didn't, this didn't strike me as something that I would like, if it just came out and it was a, a debut artist, I wouldn't be like, whoa, what the fuck? Who is this guy? It, it, I don't know. I don't think it's his best. I, that's why, that's I why I'm like curious. That. I'm curious if there is more, you know, because I do agree that like, there's something about it that doesn't feel like it grabs you. Uh, I had to put in the effort, you know, I had to really like play through it a couple times and pay it, try like really try to pay attention to it. And that's when I started to notice some of the more kind of genius moments in it. Um, but that's why I'm yeah, wondering I, if there is more to this release cycle that I we don't haven't know. seen yet. Because this isn't I, I, an entire album with cohesion, you know? Yeah, so it's this, an hour. It's like an hour long. Yeah, could, this could very well be it. We just don't know. I'm surprised that you guys aren't higher on this album. I really fucking love this album. Like, this is one of my favorite. I said my top three. This isn't my top three albums of the year that I've listened to so far. Like, this album, I think, is incredible. Like, I've just been, like, singing to myself some stuff off of, like, 1910s. Like, to be beautiful is to be hunted. I just, like, some of the, like... So fucking catchy. Like, well, there's a lot of the you know the high love, point of it is the the princiness of it all. He's going full '80s Prince vibe for a lot of these songs, but just updated for to be like in 2030. You know. Well, yeah. so I also 
like I love I love some of the like heavy heavy production on here. Like I think it's on thirty five, if I'm correct. That sounds almost like people just like dancing around a bonfire. It's just like very like loud. It has like I think that he performed this song at Coachella or something on a live stream. I could be wrong on that, but it that song seemed a little bit familiar to me. Where it seemed it's more of just it's very little dialogue or very little lyrics in the album itself. And it's more of just the production behind it. But how that song and then it leads into the very next song is just like Bigfoot, Bigfoot, get out the way. Like I, I just I like a lot of the themes and stuff that he's going for here. And it it kind of it gave me vibes to like Yeezus almost. Where mm. Yeezus was an album that didn't necessarily draw me in right away. But I, it, there was enough there that I kept going back to it. And now it's just like, oh, is that like one of my favorite Kanye albums? It really might be. But I, I latched onto this immediately. And maybe I'm just in the pocket of Big Lover. I don't know uh, <laughs> this one. But I, I really, really love this album. Here's a here's a take. And I'll frame it in the form of a question. Is... Glover's renaissance man persona where he is Simba and then he's Urn on Atlanta and then he's uh, Han Solo's buddy Lando is that making it so that the music is not the main thing that he's focusing it's, on. I, I I remember remember he said that this was the last Gambino album. You remember, you guys remember when he said that that there was only going to be one more. Yeah. So it's like this comes out as like a weird mysterious live stream, then it gets dumped on streaming without much fanfare, and then he doesn't even bother putting titles on the tracks. Like what the fuck is going on here? Where's the it, effort? Bro, it's a concept album. Is it? No, dude, I don't fucking know. So, because <laughs> because uh, because the internet is as uh, a concept album, and that might be my favorite thing that he's done, uh, musically that, at least. You said that this came out without fanfare, but like I've seen so many fucking articles on like just various websites where everybody is dissecting this album and like breaking down all the different people that like he is influenced by on track by track and stuff like that. Like this album is getting a lot of praise or at least a lot of recognition. Yeah. But we said earlier that, that those types of journalism doesn't really equate to real attention. If people, I don't know, I, maybe I have like melted Twitter brain, but if I don't see people talking about something on, on Twitter, it's like, there's, there's not enough, uh, attention around regardless it. of the response to it that that's not my main concern with that my concern is that i just i don't think personally i do not think this is a super strong effort uh if like for example if i want to hear like a modern take on prince i think that blood orange has done it way better than this i really do uh he kind of like mastered that like five years ago uh so i, I don't know it just and also there's the issue of knowing we all know what he is best at. He made one of the best shows of the last 25 years. And it's mm -hmm. his first show. We know what he's capable of. Some of the lyrics on this album, I think are just genuinely fucking awful. Like I, it's, I can't put together in my head how the same guy that made Atlanta wrote some of these lyrics because they have, 
they're so uh they have no opacity to them they're just like transparently trying to be deep sometimes and sometimes like any gambino shit plenty of the time he does reach a depth there's depth to what he's saying there's dimension but a lot of the time it just seems like he's just saying things that sound cool and and smart i i i just like i i do like i i wasn't expecting I was going to be the only person who was positive on this album. Coming Ernie out. said he likes it. I like the album. I I really do. Like I I couldn't disagree more. Like I really think that there's a lot here to love and some things that I really do think that he has put a lot of. I mean, it got. I feel like part of it is the aesthetic of it all that got put out with no real album title tracks and like just the con- the album itself is just a white screen but that the whole thing there's a song called time and then after that it's just time stamped all yeah. of everything like he is in his own brain putting out these kind of things like putting out stuff and the whole thing i mean the song algorithm is a song about just like this music and my sound will just get swept up in the algorithm of life and it will, I mean, this album came out and it was like the first trending thing on Twitter. We were up in Tallahassee and this album just got surprised, dropped on like a Saturday. And it was like, oh shit, there's a new Gambino album right now. Like, oh my God, like I have to listen to this right away. And I don't know if that's just me and my own personal circles of people who I am with all the time, uh, but keeping our social distance. Of course. Uh, six but, feet. Yeah, six feet, uh, at least. But I, I really do love this album, and I've been listening to it a lot. I've probably listened to this album more than any other album that we've talked about on this podcast. Yeah, I, I am very excited to return to it because, I, like I said, when I put in the effort to really dive into it, that's when I started finding those little nuggets of, of genius. So I know that the more I go in on it, the more I'm going to like it. But like I've already brought up and we've already said our routines are being disrupted by this crisis. So it's like, I'm not in my usual flow when I would listen to things like this. Um, So I, I'm just in a, in a weird space where music isn't hitting me the same way as it would in regular, uh, regular times. But I feel like as this time goes on, um, I think this might be the one that sticks with me the most out of, out of everything that we've talked yeah. about. I today. mean, there's already a good amount of things that I like on the album. It's still Donner, Donald Glover who made it. There's still, you know, Ludwig Gordonson all over it. There's craft. Like, I just, it's because of the standard he set for himself, not even in music. Um, and the other, I guess the other, uh, it's not even that much of an issue, but something else that, keeps showing up in my mind I guess is uh I don't know what his musical like pure artistic expression looks like because it like with with someone like Kevin Parker every album is like very different but you can see like where it's coming from with Donald Glover it's it's almost like he's putting on costumes for every album he's like yeah now I'm this guy now I'm another guy (laughs) you know now I'm now I'm this now you know it doesn't it seems it feels less comfortable than what he puts out in television, which seems effortlessly perfect, you know? Yeah, and it's interesting when you compare it to like the the Because the Internet era, 
where it all seemed like this very well uh, crafted bubble that he was living in and like everything existed in that space. He was playing this character of the boy and he would even go on talk shows as this character and the short films and everything, the whole universe surrounding that was cohesive. And then he started venturing into all these other avenues and making the show and acting in movies and all these things. And when Awaken My Love came out, it that's still a phenomenal album, but it lost that sort of multimedia world through line that I loved about Because the Internet. And now in this era with 31520, it's like, there is no tie to anything else. It feels like completely divorced from everything else that he's done. But I, I do agree that he's still a very intelligent person, obviously, and he's still bringing a lot of yeah, heady concepts. It's, to it's literally just music. because of who he is that that I'm expressing uh, my disappointment in this album. Because if it came out of nowhere, I'd be like, oh, you know, it's a solid album to come out of nowhere. But I, I don't think it's a great album, I guess. But how does it tie into the uh, the Lion King cinematic universe? That's my question. That, I was disappointed. We didn't get anything from Eichner on here. We didn't get any Rogan. We didn't get yeah. John Oliver. No uh, John Oliver as Zazu. Like, I think the girl who played Nala in that movie does music. <laughs> um, really missed opportunity there. No John Favreau. No Beyonce. Ugh. Well, maybe if you listen to this album in virtual reality, you'll turn into a lion or, you know, some lower tiered animal on the food web of the Sahara or the... That they do kill and eat. Not the Sahara. What's it called? The Savanna. That's what it's called. <laughs> um, all right. Well, any final thoughts, boys? No. Stay alive. I'm lonely. <laughs> I just want to fight with you, Hunter. I've never yeah. wanted to fight with you so bad. <laughs> That's that, why. No, Jeez. Be actually, my favorite album of the decade. I, I, I was hoping that you would actually just be like, "Yeah, no, actually, I love this album. I just, I need to disagree with somebody." It's, yeah, a, we, it's a we fought a mic. I've been fighting with my cat nonstop, and I just need something. Yeah, I keep on get, trying to pick fights with her. I'm like, you know, uh, Cats was a pretty shitty movie. <laughs> He's like, meow. <laughs> Do you guys yeah. hear about the butthole cut? Oh, oh yeah. Did I? Yeah. Listeners, I, if you don't know, apparently some VFX artists let slip that they had to put in hours and hours to digitally erase cat buttholes from that, the that film. They initially cats. put hours and hours in to make. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, the movie would have been rated R. Mm-hmm. Which maybe it should have, honestly. Maybe they that would have brought, fixed it. They should it. have brought back X. Yeah. Oh, for, yeah. For um, speaking of cats, I was checking uh, some, some things, and uh, the date of cats, of the release date of the film, coinc- like where this is going. coincidentally lines up with the first recorded case of coronavirus. COVID-19 in Wuhan, China. Are we saying similar similar to Max Keeble doing 9-11, cats did COVID-19? I just just feel like 
there's some higher power punishing us for the release of cats into the world. Skimbleshanks infected a train full of people. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to do it (laughs) for this week. All right. Well, everybody knows that a cat is not a dog. And the only way to prevent spread of the virus is to go to the heavy side layer and stay there and self-quarantine. So make sure you do that, listeners. Make sure you keep it that way. Keep it healthy. Keep it clean, hygienic. uh, And we'll get through this together. So thank you for listening. Uh, Please reach us online at all our social medias. Leave us a message. Uh, via anchor.fm slash we about a mic and uh, listen to our second episode this week where we talk TV and other things that we've been watching until next week where we will be remote once again uh, to get you through this time. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye.